You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this week's and this month's RC podcast covering digital cinematography. Uh, this show will be covering a bunch of stuff, including uh, sliding into uh, filters into the red uh, low-pass filters, why I like Canon 5Ds again, uh, and uh, of course Jason will be discussing and giving his perspective uh, on the world as he does each week, joining me here at the Tech Compound. Jason, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. Nice so as you go back here in the pod. So as you guys know, we uh, like to do the show where we uh, discuss all the news and stuff that's going on around the industry. We've moved the show, as you said, to monthly. So this is our uh, what's this? Our June show, and then we'll be doing a July show uh, later in the uh, in the month. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so quite a lot's happened since we last spoke. Um, certainly, uh, the industry uh, is gearing up for stuff. But um, yes, Jason, what have you been yes, up to? The world's in meltdown. Uh, uh, what have I been up to? Oh yeah, shooting, shooting lots, shooting lots, shooting lots of commercials. Um, shooting lots of fried chicken. Shooting lots of lots of stuff. Shooting lots of stuff with the FS Seven. Actually, I must say, I'm really getting very comfortable with that. Maybe more comfortable, I think, with it than I was with the. F5, I think. I just, I think maybe just because the fact that I'm shooting full frame with it, you know, I've really got, I've really got it down to a, a system, and I've got the camera into a place where I've sort of got all the menus where I'm happy, and so it all just works nicely and just comes out the box and just shoot, and, and I feel, you know, very comfortable with it. Um, it's a, it's a, like a lot of Sony cameras, you know, it's got a hell of a lot of menu deep diving to be done if you want to but uh literally i've just got it to a stage where i just set it and forget it there's only literally a couple of switches i flick if i need to otherwise it's just looks good out of the box and i've got it all systemized and yes i'm feeling very comfortable with that uh, what are you um, primarily recording to what's the um the back end as it were uh well just recording straight to the internal cards uh i'm not you know as you know i'm not a big fan of any external recorders sorry i meant like in terms of resolution and stuff what are you oh shooting uh the full 4k which i'm really starting to uh really get used to that now actually with reframings and things and 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 with no resolution hit i think i'm pretty sure i think now we're at a stage where 4k is the standard if you are finishing in 1080p 4k and, and is, is that what you're finishing in, 1080p? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. everything's yeah. finishing 1080. But uh, I think everyone is now at a stage where they're shooting 4K is considered the go, and if you're shooting 1080, then you're not quite covered properly. I uh, think I think it's the new it's the new out of the box standard, or to shoot in high, higher than 1080, but you know, go to the yeah, go to you know, you uh, shoot, shoot 3.2K or whatever, or? shoot the shoot the higher res that the Alexa does or whatever. Is that uh, 422 10-bit, or what, what are you... Oh, piss off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know. good. No, I just shoot the XAVC, um, XAVC-I, which is the uh, intra-frame, which is the um, separate frame, as opposed to the lower bitrate uh, XAVC-L, uh, or the long-got version. So I shoot the higher bitrate um, 4K. I shoot... Uh, oh, where's my AC? He can tell me now. Charlie. Well, okay. Uh, let me ask you a different get, question. I, How are you kind of writing the camera? Like, is it? Is there anything in particular in terms of? Uh, yeah, I put it in S log uh, two, I think, right. and that is rating, and that literally forces you the rate. I think the rating is then uh, two thousand. Yeah, kind of high. Yeah, it's high. I'm used to it. So I use um, 
speed booster, the speed booster ultra, the latest speed booster to EF mount on the front. So it gives me a little bit of extra light, but I don't care. The main thing is it's giving me the full frame field of view uh, and using all um, modified contacts lenses. Um, and uh, I shoot with a combination of the Rivasini variable ND on the front and uh, uh, mixing that with the internal NDs on the camera. So, you know, you do the big heavy lifting with the with the internal NDs and then tickle it up and just get the exposure right while still staying wide open uh, using the variable ND up the front. So, yeah, the 2000 ISO isn't, isn't, isn't much of an issue. If I really get stuck, which I don't really, I can obviously just bump down, probably bump, depending on the shot, can bump down the shutter speed to 90 or something and lose another stop if I need to. Or I've got I've got straight NDs I can stack into the map box as well. Yeah. So it's... Uh, but yeah, I, uh, um, I don't shoot uh, the Cine IE mode, which is sort of not really raw, but it's kind of like the the no settings sort of mode. I guess it's the, the least fiddly. I I've sort of haven't found myself very comfortable with that. I shoot the, I think, custom mode. Yeah, and mainly all I'm setting is the just change the um, color temp. Really, basically that's it, and color temp and and frame rates when required. But yeah, it's pretty much set and forget now. But I just yeah, I just record internally to the to the XQD QXD whatever they're called cards. Excellent, 4K. Yeah, I think that is definitely the new way to go. So which means I'm I'm sort of feel a bit. I, I'm sort of now every time I use the a7s i feel two things that i'm suddenly not shooting 4k anymore i'm shooting 1080 and i don't have that copability uh and also the dynamic range isn't there i mean it's it's essentially it's better dynamic range than a 5d but it's still not as good i'm very used to now the 14 at least it's a 14 good solid 14 plus stops of dynamic range on on the a7s it's equal to so the F five fifty five easily. As I, I definitely see the difference in the way those highlights blow out. As I outlined in the opener, I'm swinging my pendulum back to. In fact, I'm I'm buying a uh, a five D Mark three again, um, and I have several. One that you already had. Did you have a three? I had. Oh yeah. 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 We had a bunch, and they got nicked. Oh yeah. And then we yeah, had them insured. Yeah. No. Thanks. Then that. that yeah. I think I told you the story, right? Yeah. And then the police came and we have like video surveillance and all this stuff. And we're yeah. like, right, there's the guy, clear shot. And they were like, great. And we know who that is. And I was like, excellent. Well, can we get our cameras back now? And they're like, oh, he's a villain. We don't know where he lives, but where he is, but oh, we know we exactly know, who he we is. We know him. Yeah, yeah. We don't we know, know where he is. They, they told me his name and everything about him wow. except for where he lives. And uh, yeah, he was just a, he was just well, a, who is a he? crim. I'm not going to name him. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I should, but I dare not. Um, but anyway, the point is, uh, yeah, cause we have like lots of security and since then we've upped security further and, have, yeah. you know, attack killer dogs and, uh, century robotic mounted, um, submachine guns and stuff. But apart from that, um, mm. my point was that we went and bought a bunch of, uh, Sony kit because we like Sony kit. Yeah. And I totally stand by that for shooting, uh, video and doing a bunch of the work that we do. So we have the, um, a7s's and we have them with uh for example the extra battery mounts on the bottom so yep. you can have dual batteries and we yep. also have uh, cages for them and you know a ton of stuff and there are some aspects about those cameras that i love to death but nearly all of them are to do with being a really good lightweight camera for doing video and some stills work yes like for example you've got a shotgun mic you can click onto the um uh the hot shoe at the top and it feeds directly through the hot shoe down into the camera so that's mm. you know, awesome right 
Um, and there are a bunch of other things that are good. My problem is, uh, I just, in addition to those, I just can't get past the fact that I use the camera less as a stills camera. Yeah. And I tell you why, the, the, all the reasons that you'll disagree with me over. Firstly, I it's... I don't know, but go ahead. Well, it's the fact that it doesn't have a mirror. And so what happens okay. is I put my eye up to the uh, thing and I wear glasses. Yes. And so I find it kind of problematic because it's not as clear as a mirror is when looking through. The second thing is when I yes. take a shot, um, there's this sense that uh, I get a review. Yeah. And sometimes I want the review, sometimes I don't. But I, I don't know any way in the camera, maybe there is one, to not have it reviewed when you're looking through... But have a do have a review when you're not looking through, right? Yeah. And so as a consequence, I take a photo and then I lose what's happening in the frame because I'm now looking at what I just took a photo of. And I don't want that. I want to be able to go on to the next shot. Now on a 5D, I take the shot. If I'm looking at the back, great, I see the picture. But if I'm not looking at the back, the mirror is just back in play and I'm ready to keep keep going. Yeah. Then the second problem I've got is the unreliability of the meta bones for high-speed control of automatic focusing. Yes. So if I'm doing stills and yes. I'm at a party or a function yes. or some event like uh, someone speaking, like I was at a, a event at Parliament House and I was acting like kind of photographer there and I just needed to pick up moments. And what I found myself doing is just doing continuous click, 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 click because I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't have enough time for the autofocus to work. So what I needed to do is get the focus, then take a bunch of photos and hope that one of them, the person, you know, had the right expression on their face. Brian Prey. Yeah, it's spray and pray, but um, very well said. But uh, what I was doing with the Canon is I was like waiting for exactly the right minute. And when I hit the button, that focus would just nail it straight out of the gate. Now I'm using the same L glass on both cameras. So don't get me wrong. It's not a problem with that. It's just the speed and control of the Canon to the native. Yes. You uh, have got the latest firmware on the speed booster and the latest speed booster. Yeah, I do. I mean, obviously the problem there is... Well, first of all, I'm going to go quickly back to the auto review thing. Now, obviously, I don't know if that's something you can put on a custom button, but you can certainly turn auto review to off. Uh, you can off or over. But what tends to happen is that I've got it set for auto review because I normally like that. Yes. But for the instant that I don't yes. want that, yes. I want to just be able to put it in my eye and start taking some photos. Now, with the Canon, I have that, you see, because it's on auto review. Auto review is on the back, but not but in when the EVF. I, but not in the EVF, yeah. Yes. And so... And so that, like, what you can't be doing is at the moment you see something really dramatic happen, fiddling with menus. You just have yeah. to be able to shoot with confidence. So I, Which, I then up, yeah. well, what I'm going to say is I then end up using the Sony lenses so I can skip the yep. the converter. But then I've got glass that's just not as fast. And because I don't have a set of very fast that Sony is the native problem. lenses. That is definitely a problem because they have not... Well, I think, I think in a way maybe Sony's been caught a little bit unaware, not unawares, but been caught on the hop as to how popular these little full-frame cameras are. They bring one out literally more often than we do a podcast. Now, yep. was that something saying something about Sony or saying something, something about, about us? Um, <laughs> we they are working. Literally, it's a bad analogy. They literally bring out one every week rather than fix any firmware or anything. Let's just bring out a new camera with the same firmware. They, um, uh, I think, because a lot of their lenses for E-mount... Were, I think two things are happening. First of all, they're, they're playing catch up with the lenses. They're slowly releasing lenses, and or Zeissar and a few other third parties are catching on. It's going to take a little while for the whole E mount thing to get popularity. And what they've been 
relying on up until now is a lot of e-mount lenses that are yep. fast and great but don't cover full frame. They're yep. from the old NEX land. Um, and uh, also, I think what they're going to do, I can see what's happening is that I imagine that they will just get rid of the whole alpha mount thing at some stage eventually. Just This will be Sony's stills camera, This the alpha 7s will be going forward. So I think it's going to take a little while for yeah, them to right. catch up with and to produce a good range of fast stuff that, you know, is equivalent to, I guess, whatever you're after, like a 70 to 200 or what would be, what would be, what would be your go-to one that you're wishing you had that was in, in the, that matches your L glass for? An 85. 85. Just an 85 prime. Like, like the 8512 is what you want. 8512, 512, yeah. 30, is it 12? Isn't Those, there another? There's already a full frame fast 85. There's a couple of choices but, there. But the thing is, I've already got those I lenses. Know. So, I know. I'm not like you. I don't sell everything on eBay every week. And then the other thing is, um, okay, so then we go, okay, but it's much smaller and lighter and it's so much better. And I, go, I agree. That is totally true for most things, except for, did I just mention earlier that I put on a double battery pack on the bottom, which kind of makes it a bit heavier and bigger. Yes. And then we put it in cages and stuff and it starts to get like that that's not a big deal anymore. Um, and there's one other thing about it, like the, um, like it's an indefinable thing, right? But the, there is this, I remember saying, Stu Mashwitz said this to me, it's like early on, he was like, Someone was talking about something, and he said, "Buy a five. This is like the days of five D Mark II. He's like, "Buy a five D Mark II. It's the greatest course you'll ever do in photography. Buying the camera is the yeah. greatest course you'll ever do in photography, yeah. because you just find yourself loving the experience so much that you take lots of shots. And the only way I can give you an analogy is to say, if you ever tried doing anything sporting or health or fitness wise, if it's a bit sucky." You do it for a while and then you just don't do it because it's just kind of not quite... It's most exercise, but yeah. No, no, but but there are other things that are just... You really enjoy and it's just... It's like... It seems like a really small difference, Mm. but the tipping point for me is I will take out my iPhone and take photos because I can't be bothered to get my Sony out of my backpack to take photos because the camera on the iPhone will just work and it'll be easy and seamless and whatever. Absolutely. The the gear is part of the motivation to get out there and do it, particularly if you're talking about obviously something you're not being paid for, if you're talking about doing stills and stuff. I've sort of done, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I think the AF thing is definitely an issue, and you're absolutely right to go back to just get just get a 5D Mark III or whatever, and 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 do that. I have similarly, uh, I started doing some uh, some sort of like stills, I guess, sort of stills, uh, like sort of sea pool kind of still stuff, and printing them up quite big, like I'm talking yep. like you know, three or four feet, yep. sort of square, and having shot uh, the first batch of stuff that I printed up that I really loved. On the A7S, I'm a little bit limited in resolution given the fact there's like 11, whatever, it's 4K essentially. Yep. So it's only 4,000 pixels by whatever. I mean, I've, the stuff I've printed up doesn't looks nice, but I would definitely now, I have now just bought, uh, I haven't bothered waiting for the A7R2. I just bought an a, a, a secondhand A7R, which right. is 36 megapixel. Uh, I've already got a little underwatery housing thing all kind of rigged up for it. So I've sort of, that made sense to me. Uh, but I definitely did want to get back like you, get more, you know, get more uh, into the stills. And I'm using manual focus lenses anyway. And yeah, no, uh, I know you mine, are. Mine's a more of a fixed, a, a bit more of a fixed environment. Okay, when you're but I did, it in a, I did in a stills 
for some stuff we were doing for News Corp on the America's Cup in San Fran. And I was shooting then on my 5D. And I cannot imagine going into that same... If I was doing that again, like I was going back for another America's Cup <coughs> on the Sony A7S, I just wouldn't do it because I yeah. just don't have the confidence when yes. I'm out on the water. You know, yep. You're pulling your camera out of an esky, which is there so it doesn't get wet. When, the, when your high-speed boat stops at one of the marks, you've got to pull your camera out, long lens. I think I was on a doubler on a, on a 70 to 200, so I was at 400 mil. And I just had confidence that it was all Canon gear, that I would get the shots. And then you've mm. got moments before you're sticking your camera away so it doesn't get wet again and you're high-speeding it up the other end of the course. And I had a lot of confidence in doing that yeah. uh, with that gear. Whereas I have pulled out my Canon, uh, my Sony at events like um, speakers talking and giving presentations that I'm sort of doing stuff. And I love the low light. I love a bunch of stuff. And yet, you know, there's a couple of shots where the focus just didn't seem to mm. be where I wanted it to be. Mm. It was a hassle to set it back where I wanted it to be. The menus, I don't know. It's just, I can't begin to explain the both the incredibly subtle difference, which seems yep. almost trivial. No, I get it. And the massive difference it makes to my life. Yeah in not being the guy that just always has his camera kind of handy and yeah. an extension of his arm. And you can, you know, when you're comfortable with the camera, you can be concentrating more on what you're shooting rather than yeah, but second-guessing it. I, I thought it. that it was I the problem that... of not knowing the menus, but it isn't. Yeah. It's not no, a... No, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's, it's an, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not going to sell ours because we're going to still use them yeah. for doing interviews and a bunch yeah. of other stuff. I'm very more comfortable. I'm very, it's a comfort factor, a subconscious thing. I'm very, I'm... Now with these, I mean, as I say, the, Ace, the FS7 has definitely sport me for DSLRs and, or, you know, whatever you call yeah. these now, mirrorless compacts or evil, they used to call them for a while. Yeah. Um, but when I do use them, I'm definitely far more confident now with, not that I wasn't with the 5D, but I feel more at home and more, uh, uh, I find they're much easier to get great video with these than I than with the five D series. Yep, no, I agree with video. Uh, but yeah. with stills, I definitely um, I didn't want to go very because I was doing underwater and I was doing quite bulky and I didn't I didn't want, and I wanted what I'm shooting is actually sort of like just not underwater but literally just on waterline stuff. Yep. So I can't and a lot of it I'm just hanging stuff over the the edge of the pool or or I'm just doing it dunking I'm standing up to my waist I'm not getting right in the water cuz I'm a bit of a water wuss I love it and it's a beautiful shooting environment but I'll happily have someone else jump in for me for <laughs> me to shoot so I can't really use the viewfinder so I'm relying on the live view thing and also I'm sort of building a like a monitor on the top so I can literally you know do it like waist height shooting so the whole a seven thing worked for me in that in that way, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But I'm definitely there is if you were just doing exactly what you're talking about. I definitely have a there's something a definitely a subconscious confidence thing stills wise in the old five D thing. But I've got way more shooting confidence and more subconscious comfiness in 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 the A sevens with with for video mode. But I mean, the specs, you've got electronic EVF, you got a flip out screen yeah, at the yeah, bottom. No, no, I know, much I know, better video but, codec. But the specs are you interesting know? because the A7S is 12 megapixels, yeah? The A7 II is 24 megapixels, yes. which, oh, by the way, is pretty much on par with what the 5D Mark III is at yep. 22. Yep. But the new 5Ds go up to 50 megapixels. Which is just insane. Yeah. And the Sony A7R goes to 36 megapixels. But here's my thing, yeah. and this is, again, stupid and stupid and stupid, but... 
I don't like deleting photos. I mean, there's something about having them and giving them up. It doesn't, the benefit, it's like a, a long-term benefit of my hard drive not filling up versus the short-term benefit of not having a photo that is yeah. right there and I yeah. might use it. Um, yeah. And the thing is, I actually don't want really big stills because yeah. most of the time, 24 megapixels is heaps enough for me. Yeah. And if you went to 50, my hard drive is just going to fill up twice as fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a very specific needs here because I'm wanting to blow them up to... Yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm to a reasonably, reasonably large size. So I, I like yeah. printing them. Like I do like those books that you can print. I've done many of them. Yeah. Where you, like I use the Apple one quite a lot. Yeah. And you get a whole page in one of those. Yeah. So it's bigger than A4. But, but even 11 meg, even But 24 megapixels is great in that. Yeah. yeah. But even I'm sure even 4K would be perfectly oh, yeah. but, fine for that. But where you do notice it is if you want to crop in. So yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that the two areas that bug me are if the shot's noisy and you crop in or yeah. if the shot's lower res and you crop in um and and i gotta say the other thing is if you <laughs> i so i was thinking well it's a bit still you get a 5d right second hand this is just you know mad i'll just use a 7d because i've got a 7d yeah. at home and i i'd actually given it to my uh, kids so i borrowed back the 7d thinking dad will just use this and i was like yeah no, no. <laughs> once you've had a 5d it's like yeah well you mean full full frame is what you're missing yes and and also Basically. with the 7d i had some less than superior glass on there it was not l series right i was just using the stuff that i it was like to yeah. hand me down stuff to the kids yeah so it was like a a kit, yeah. lens, kit lens on a 7d and i went a soul destroying and i was like what is this thing I, only, I was only using it i don't know where i was like on holidays or somewhere right so it wasn't like a major <clears> thing but I was like, no, Daddy wants his 5D Mark <laughs> Daddy wants his 85. Yeah. Daddy's kit spoiled. Lens, anything, any camera, kit lens on any camera will just literally just end, Destroy end the fun yeah, it's like, instantly. No. But again, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, it's the subtlety of, if you're, if you're you know, obviously financially positioned to be able to do it, and I don't want to sound too arrogant, I'm not going to sound like Thurston Howell III, but if you're in a position to do it, it's just like, when it's joy, joyous, Yep. And rewarding, Absolutely. you have this kind of positive feedback loop, and it's just—it's not an effort. Yeah, and just like exercise, but when it's a bit of a pain in the ass and yeah. it doesn't feel right, Absolutely. and it's not very it has rewarding, to be right. you to just be end up not so. doing it very often, and then yep. you just feel kind of bad that there's a bit of a gap in your in your uh, sort of portfolio of stuff. So anyway, that's that's why I've um, drifted back. Hey, speaking of underwater stuff, though, I want to ask you what you thought about the new um, GoPro. Because the oh, new GoPro is yeah. kind of designed specifically for doing that underwater yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think that that uh, that is. I haven't got that on our little list. Well, well done for remembering that. Um, what do they call it? The session or something? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the new little one, Hero Four Session. Mm-hmm. So right? small, so stoked. It is so, tiny, and what I think what is really impressive is uh, that it is waterproof out of the box. Yeah, that is fantastic. Uh, it's not 4K though, right? This one, I'm sure. Maybe it's actually it's it's inferior in terms of image quality to the. Um, to the the latest version of the GoPro, Larger so it's, this is not yeah, it's not that. a replacement for the four. It's not like this is a five and yeah. you should get rid of your four. Yeah, this is more like a uh, I I think it's like five hundred and fifty bucks Australian or something like that. Yeah, but it's um it's a kind of a specialist uh like it's underwater, so it's yeah. waterproof for surfing, skiing, all those sort of things. It's very easy to mount. It's very small, um, yep. so it doesn't get in the way. And it, it doesn't have a screen, though, right? I mean, but, it but it's do, Bluetooth exactly. and Wi-Fi, and you can yeah. do you set it up with your phone. And Low stuff. profile, very much. Uh, Definitely the new go-to for if if you're. I mean, crash obviously, obviously, pros will be able to use it, but if you're just using it for whatever surfing videos on your motorbike or you know, um, using it in a waterproof environment, in water, watery environment. Uh, it's fantastic. The fact that you don't have to worry about 
the housing because they're always uh, having to have the extra piece of the housing to clip them, unclip them, make yeah. sure that's clean. It's another level of something, another le- thing in front of the lens to keep clean. Uh, and then also, I lived in fear. I never did it, but you know that. Remember they had that touch screen yep. thing. There's so many versions of the back of that backpack that weren't waterproof. Yeah, you know, but kind of looked at it. If you just picked it up from the front of it, the back yeah. it could have had like the skeleton, whatever they call it, the skeleton case or whatever, yeah. where it was literally open in the back. Could, I'm sure a few have died a death because people just pick them up and uh, just. Uh, but to have it waterproof out of the box, and they are so small. Yeah, I've got the impressive. four, and I'm really, really happy with impressive. it. I think the thing about this one is, I call it. It's good if you've got gloves on. So there's like one button at the top. So yeah. if I was skiing and I yeah. like got to the top of a run, I'd just press one button, yeah. not worry about it. Yeah. Awesome. But um, but I don't think there's any reason why I wouldn't use a four because normally when I'm setting up, like the I prefer to frame it a bit more and I prefer to, you know, set it up a bit more. So I'm happy to do that. There yeah. is though this auto low light feature, which I haven't heard many people talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, low light performance has always been a soft uh, sort of um, underbelly of the GoPro. Yeah. And obviously, if you shoot uh, ProTune and do that kind of stuff, uh, you can get really good results. But this auto low light, I haven't read much about it, but um, I'd be interested to see if that's something significantly new in this camera or what it does yeah. in terms of low light performance. Because um, As long as it doesn't sort of force you into uh, shutter crime where you start to get, break, the, yeah. break the 180 rule. But again, I think this is, this is probably pros will use it, but I, I, I'm, I think, as I say, a lot of people... Uh, probably getting used to the fact that they can shoot 4k now and hope maybe if they can do a 4k version if they can fit the 4k um you know 4k guts into this thing then the the 4k version would be something to to hang out for as well but i don't know i haven't spoken i mean the the, the, spoken to the hero 4 itself is just a damn good product um and it's great as a second kind of camera Mm. Uh, and but yeah, sticking around, that was always a bit of a, not a barrier to entry, but that was always a bit of, I'm speaking to it like it's like bygone era, but the waterproof housing thing was always definitely a little bit of extra, a little layer of kludge. Yeah. That, uh, That's true. I think the the biggest kludge for me was in the days of like, say, the three or whatever, when I was pressing buttons at the front of the camera yeah. with magic combinations of two up, one down to get things to do it yes. versus the swipe control on the back of the four that I use, which is just heaven on a stick so i guess the main reason the main way to control and change settings with this thing is now you use the app or the app yeah yeah, yeah. i think it really is the case that you want to be uh using the, the app. and i don't know what the latency is on that because that was always a big problem for me yeah on the, it wasn't um, great but i think one. it was good i mean it was good enough for um literally like if you're setting it right on the deck below uh, railway tracks or if you're bolting it yeah. to your helmet and you, it's on your head and you want to adjust the framing of it or it's, if it's outside <laughs> just, a car and you're inside your a car you know just to be able to check head. that everything is everything is good yeah. that was always great latency wasn't necessarily you weren't necessarily operating by it you were just setting framing before you lock it off kind of thing yeah the thing we really want uh in my world right now is we want a hero five that syncs because we need we need sync because we want to use them for vr and there are a lot of rigs that use the Hero 4 in VR to do 3 to 60 degree capture, but there's no way to sync all the cameras. Yes. And what we need is some kind of house sync, lock sync, whatever you want to call it, that lets them all switch on at the same time, but more importantly have the same shutter open close uh, yeah. on all cameras simultaneously, all locked to manual exposure so we yes. don't have them fluctuating, all locked to autofocus so we don't have them um, changing anything. 
and then everything locked to uh, time code or some kind of sync so that they all uh, sync up nicely. Well, GoPro have a soul for that though, right? Which is their backpacky record thing. Well, right? they have a. I don't have know a, they do It's that, a high end system, right? But Am the, I speaking out of turn? They I have. F- a, they they can record all six together. You can record them all together. That's not the problem. The problem is having them all start and stop in sync together. You know, that was like, part of it. It's all going into one recorder. From my well, mind. I don't know that they sync. I don't know they have time code control to sync them. Out of sync. school. If they well, are this was a main issue. Was, this yes, was, the syncing this would be a, bit. a big thing that I don't know about. Syncing was a big if you If you are listening to this and Jason is correct, please send me emails. And if, if you are listening to this and agree with me that Jason is on crack cocaine, then please email Jason. Um, yeah, so I don't think that is the case. In the VR world, we would love to lock six cameras to each other simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and that would be a really, really, really big deal. You just need a 360-degree slate. I was talking to someone about this. A 360-degree slate. How, do you, how can you slate these things? Right. Um, Flash? Yeah, but, yeah, but you'd need, literally need, a, a, you need a, one of those. You know that you can buy them for like shooting you know, a little tiny little um, flip out like those sunshades but uh, it isn't the answer but it to flips that out into a, a, a white box right and you put that over the yeah no isn't the answer over the thing and then yeah, fire yeah. a flash gun at it or no, something but isn't the answer that you simply use your ipad with one of the ipad slate apps and then it's got time code rolling on it and then you just oh, walk you it just around walk every camera around. and so every camera has a, a a reading yeah and you you just do an offset that's how i true do it yeah, maybe Pluralize can do something like that where literally if it's listening to the soundtrack of the thing, yeah, that then would it work. should maybe... But it's still going to be in or out or by a frame mm. variation. Yeah. Hey, um, you've got the Ronan M in the show notes. Oh, yes, I do. I do. You, because, I mean, I, I, I talked talked about it at NAB that I thought it was good yeah. and I actually received mine. Uh, and on. Uh, it's actually I really like it, actually. It's got one little clunky thing which I don't like, but on the whole, build quality is great. Uh, it's really light. It's simple to set up. Uh, it's all toolless. You can adjust everything easily. Uh, I mainly bought it for the A7S to be able to literally put a, put it in there, even if I wanted to build it up, because I think it takes up to something crazy like four kilos, maybe even, or something. It's for for something that it, its payload is bigger than is weighs more than itself. Essentially, I think it's quite powerful. I've got. An, I've Did you get the M or the normal one? M, which is the yeah, the M, which is the smaller one. Uh, the, the regular Ronin, you can put you can put uh, an Epic or an whatever Epic, on right. this yeah. thing. Um, the M, I've just managed to fit the FS7 on it. Actually, if you strip it all down, yeah. Uh, but the main plan I figured was to if I wanted to put the A7S on in a cage uh, with um, a transmitter on it and put a wireless focus on it to really sort of build up an A7S rather than have a, a big camera. I'd have a smaller camera built up. So it's uh, three and a half kilos is the limit, right? I think it is on carrying so, on. That okay, on for the M? For the M, yeah. Yeah. yeah carrying a three. It's, it itself is a couple of kilos. But, yeah. Or yeah. put this way, eight pounds, and yeah, I think so it weighs five four, pounds. Nearly four kilos. Uh, 3.2. Six, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm really impressed with it, and it's got a little nice little Bluetooth uh, remote thing which I bought, which mm-hmm. is a separate item. But it literally comes in a box, almost ready to go. It powered on beautifully. It was very easy to set up. Uh, there's an app there that pairs, and there's a lot of control. And it comes with came with the ready control or an RC type yeah. controller. Um, they also have a separate little Bluetooth thumb control thing, which you can literally unclip and give to someone else, which I thought was great. So, Jason, uh, yeah, it's great. It works really well. This is really your well. first um, 
this isn't your first type of rig like this. You even built your own. I did buy a. I built a Fovi thing out of bits and pieces. Yeah, in no, the no, bleeding that's edge of in the, the bleeding, bleeding edge. edge of, but let me ask you this: of, of What are you actually using days? it for, shoot wise? Like in what in what actual capacity has this appeared in your work? Uh, I'd say I haven't used it in a job so far properly. Well, what's the job that that you would be pulling this out and saying this is just exactly what I needed? Uh, it would probably be simple car to car running with someone just 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 jogging along with someone running in the park, following a dog chasing. So that an would animal. sound like a steady cam. So is that, like is steady that your cam, theory, like a steady cam replacement? Yeah, steady cam, but the ability to go from low, low mode to high mode easily if need be. Um, without having to wear something. And then constantly if I'm directing and or then wanting to operate, I, I, I just don't want to be in a harness to then have to, you know, just I like the idea of just hand it off or just give it to anybody else to operate. Um, and not you don't have to you don't have to have the skill set. Although you know, as you know, we've we've both done Steadicam courses and certified mm-hmm. you know certified in inverted commas to to, to fly that stuff. Uh, but uh, it's I don't know. I just I like I like the simplicity of just pick it up and grab it, and then when I'm you know I don't want to use it, just un unclip. It's easier to balance. Literally, so much easier to balance. Um, uh, and because the rig is so light, I find it's, I don't know, it's just as easy. To me, obviously, there's still stuff Steadicam does better, but for, this was a bit more of an all-rounder thing. You could do car-to-car with it. You can rig it if you wanted to, just rig it. You know, it has a solid mount, so you can literally take the handles off, and they make a hard mount. You can bolt it, you know, you can suction cup it to a car boot bonnet and uh, use it as car-to-car. Um, yeah, hang, hanging out of the side of Because my van. thing was not so much that... do with Steadicam. Yeah, that's true. But my, or as, as easily with Steadicam. But my problem with Steadicam being replaced by this is just how tired your arms get holding the bugger. Because while it works really well, like if I had to do the Steadicam, same shot... Steadicam, Well, Steadicam, I think, is a lot better on your back and on yeah. your arms. Yeah, yeah. If, if you replace a Steadicam rig with this, I don't know you can do as many takes in a day before you just falling over with exhaustion. Yeah. The, Depending on, obviously, how heavy the camera is on it. Uh, the last time I did a... Um, the, the, the last sort of... It was actually Movi shot that I did. Yeah. It was literally a shot which you couldn't have done with Steadicam because it was literally coming upstairs, virtually a f- foot off the ground, yeah. and going up to slightly above head height. No, I'm not so saying literally I'm it was not, a low mode to high mode thing. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that it's a bad product. I'm just saying like the 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 offset to the advantage of being yeah. able to do those shots is that you are carrying all the weight on your effectively biceps and and. Yes. And yeah. that is tiring. It's more tiring than when I've operated as a Steadicam. I'm not a professional Steadicam operator, but yes. I found it more tiring using this than I did Steadicam. The, what makes it a little less tiring is uh, something that has high mode or uh, uh, inverted mode where rather than you're holding it up here because the camera is underslung, right. to be able to top sling it and you can have your hands more, more down waist. by your chest yeah, that's a good and point. the camera is above. That is my one little tiny bugbear with the the Ronin M, is that um, it will certainly do inverted mode, but the camera, uh, it puts the camera upside down. So you either have to flip it, or if you've got a camera in a cage, then you put the, the camera cage plate on the top of the cage. Right. You know, So there's yep. a little bit, you can't just literally flip it quick, quickly and easily. Um, but it certainly will do inverted mode and is designed to do it. It's not a hack to do it. Okay. Uh, it's just what they've, the payoff is what they've designed, what they've done it is they've put like hard stops on the gimbal. So it literally, you can't twist cables up. You can't, you can't tear off 
or twist up wires too long because the thing allows it to spin more than 360. It literally, you can't go, you can't do it because it's got hard stops, which ordinarily don't get in the way in normal function, but do mean that when you do top mode, you have to do uh, the cameras upside down, which is no big deal. You know, a lot of people shoot low mode with steady cam and then flip it later, you know, just because it's easier than rebalancing. So there's give and take. But anyway, I literally for the money, whatever it was, uh, $1,400 or something. And it's two grand Australian, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ends up probably about two grand by the time you get here with GST and stuff. Yeah, and for those Pretty listening impressive. overseas, the dollar's about 75. So we are, you know, like not not double, not one and a half, but yeah, it's yeah. there's a significant add a, add a, uh, dollar add a, add a, difference add a between here and... Hey, um, did you ever so, yes, get a like Sennheiser uh, new wireless mic? Because I was so looking forward to those, but um, sorry, the uh, Rode ones, but there are new Sennheiser ones as well, right? Yes, there is a new one that I saw at NAB, and since then I've actually found out that they're incredibly expensive. The Rode one is is out now and shipping the Rode, uh, Rode Link. Because uh, oh, I really want to try one of those. I definitely, I've been, been sent one, which I haven't had a chance to, to test well, it let out me yet. Have an very, very keen, very, very keen. It's looking good, and Do it's getting great it reviews. Hmm? Yeah, I can test it for you. Okay, you can test it for me. No okay. worries. Give it here. Uh, the well, Zenheiser, I want two Zen, of them, ideally, but anyway. Zennheiser came out with um, a, a new system, uh, which is a very small um, receiver, camera top receiver, and a belt pack, matching belt pack. The only thing, I th- the, the, my mild issue with it, uh, it's called the AVX, and it looks very nice, and it's great. And it pair, I think it pairs, it pairs easily, which is obviously was some, a lot of the pain with the earlier Sennheiser G2s and G3s, which I'm sure they still make. Um, but this is uh, um, the, the, a very, very compact. Not yeah. about. I think the idea partly was the fact the belt pack things were designed. The receiver for the camera was always designed to be on a belt which was a very belt packy thing you know the receiver and the transmitter were the same design yeah which we don't want which there was kind of a sort of yeah which was kind of which was okay but i don't know no, we you, want where the, do you, we always end up bolting it to a camera, camera. or bolting it to a thing when yep. do you actually ever use the receiver Never. on your belt no so this was actually the design you know a way to actually make the um receiver be a bit more camera friendly and actually terminates in a big fat XLR so that was really nice but I think the end up I think I remember hearing a price at um, uh, at NAB I'm just going to B&H now because I wanted to ask you about eight nine some ridiculous but the road one the thing that interests me in the road one is that you could have one receiver for two mics so I wasn't just being facetious when I said I wanted two of them. You could actually have a dual receiver, which is exactly what I want. I want to clip a single... Oh, $1,000, sorry. <laughs> so it's okay. I want a dual Jeepers. receiver of the road with two mics. I want to be able to take in interviewer I, and interviewee I, into the one... Indeed. And I not stack units on top of each other. Definitely want the is same. Is that what you've got? I want the same because on the back of my... Um uh, FS7 as yeah. part of the whole sort of studio rig thing is I'm constantly having a link from uh, the sound recordists. I don't necessarily, I'm never usually, I don't normally do the sound. I'll have a sound recordist, which is yeah. his, his mixer or his mixing desk or his sound cart will send a link to the camera. And of course, I'm sort of, I, I hate wires, everything. I spend thousands and thousands of dollars to avoid wires. Yeah. Um, uh, so yes, the audio link is also wireless, and uh, uh, I have the dock for it. But I don't have not what normally gets used is a very expensive two plus thousand dollar 
uh, Letrosonics stereo receiver, but it is stereo because a lot of the times the guys will record and send two feeds to me, not just, you know, he'll often, either if it's a two-hander, people, two people talking, he'll send me two feeds as split tracks, or he'll send, even if it's one person talking, they will often mic the person and boom them as well, just for a different feel. Um, and and I'll, they'll send two feeds. So I'm definitely, the choices for camera-mounted receiver that is two channels, yeah. it's very limited. It's literally you buy two receivers or it's a couple two, of thousand dollars. a two-receiver version? No. I'm sure they were going to do that. Well, were, or I'm hoping, definitely hoping they'll do a... We, dual, might, we might check with Rode before we do the next show because I think, I'm pretty that, sure yeah. that we're going to come out with a dual receiver. I'm definitely waiting for that. Two transmitters, dual receiver that would, that would go on your camera. But the original, uh, yes, these, uh, the Sennheiser AV, uh, AVX, uh, they make a couple of different versions of, la- of LAV. They have uh, two different kinds of uh, mic capsule. But generally, it's like $900 or so for a set, which I guess is probably what they, maybe a little bit more than what the, like the, the original G2s and G3s that we have, Mike, uh, run at. Mm. Um, but uh, still uh, a far cry away from the, whatever it is, three or so hundred dollars for the, um, um, for the road link. Now, coming up later in the show, we'll be discussing uh, Epic um, ND sliders, a bunch of other uh, stuff to do with um, new and, and interesting uh, low-pass filters oh, and stuff. We're going to an ad break. I thought you were going to go. We are that. a bit going to an ad break. I just wanted to change subjects if I could because... Yeah, talk about Audible podcast. No, audible <laughs> spoken books. No, we're not doing that. For about 40 fucking minutes. Okay, we're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> what I wanted to do was change the subject right now and uh, just flag a couple of uh, things that are coming up um, that people might be interested in uh, if they're local uh, with Simpty. Um, but I didn't want it to sound like this was the end of the show, so that's why I was saying that there's stuff yeah. coming up later. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's two things that I think of interest if you happen to be in Sydney for Simpty, which is coming up uh, next week or the week of the, whatever it is, 13th to the 18th of, um, uh, yes. of July. Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday? Or? So, Jace, you have, uh, you're doing some talking, and uh, we've got a, a thing on with uh, Adobe. You want to do yours first. Um, just th- These are not ads because, in my case, certainly, and, and, and I know in your case, these are free events. So we're not, we're not doing anything in terms of trying to – I hated how you set that up as an ad, but um, I just thought I'm it might joking. be of interesting. I'm joking. It wasn't. I'm, just, I'm glad that we don't have to go and do that. No, no, we're not. But, um, but anyway. Half an hour right. about So tell mattresses. me about your – you're speaking at Simpty. Uh, yes, at um, uh, Sony Stand, which is D22. Uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm talking uh, run and gun. Talking about run and gun and high end TVCs, shooting high end TVCs on the FS7. Same day, same. Is uh, it like one one Tuesday makes at the other? eleven a.m. and Wednesday at. But are they, are they two different talks? Or are they the same? No, one? same talk. Okay. Just do that a couple of times. Really brilliant. Should probably be a bit better on the second day. <laughs> and so be, that's on the Sony booth. Well, that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, so that's literally. Um, uh, I, I, I plan on talking for some of it and hopefully Q&A, which is always uh, far, I'm far more my comfort zone. So from the audience, questions. I'll go, hi, Jace, first time speaker, <laughs> long time fan. Just wanted to know. I'll ask you a question that's all about me, all about the, uh, all about the person. Long-winded <laughs> comment with no actual question in it. Yeah. It's all about yeah. me. Enough about you. What do you think yeah, of me? Exactly. Um, okay, so exactly. now, the one that we're doing, uh, we have a thing called From Camera to Screen, which is maximizing your DCP 
pipeline. And this is actually in, uh, in association with um, Adobe, but also with our friends at the Australian Cinematographer Society and SIDGRAPH Sydney. So it's a free event. You uh, can register on uh, the FX Guide website. And we have Lars Borg talking from uh, Adobe. He's got like 20 years experience in color management, um, just incredibly uh, detailed guy. The, the way this came up is that um, I was talking to my uh, good friend Bill Roberts, <coughs> who's at Adobe, and uh, Lars was coming out to Australia, and we said it would be really good to put on something for uh, industry professionals. So this is probably not what you want to go to if you are uh, newer in your career. This is definitely sort of higher-end stuff. But the idea here is that um, I'm certainly, as, as you know, interested in a lot of the science and the, the sort of camera tech. Um, there are a lot of uh, things like Rec 2020 and um, Dolby Vision and sort of color science associated with getting out a really good uh, DCP. And I wanted to know what you need to do to shoot well for those uh, color pipelines. So what do you need to do if you're basically going to go from your camera right through knowing you're going to do a good uh, DCP uh, color pipeline? And how do you do anything differently if you're going to do um, stuff, say, like Dolby Vision, which was first seen, I think, in cinemas with Tomorrowland? Yes, I'm very keen. I don't think it was ever screened here in Australia. I think there was some very select cinemas, like maybe literally only four or five around the states that did Dolby Vision. I'm very keen to see. Well, the Dolby Vision, see this, yeah, and the monitors that have come out, the Dolby monitors are really incredible. Like I stood beside yeah. them, thinking, yeah, this is going to be one of those, you know, subtle things that, yeah. like, so what am I looking at? And it was remarkable how different they were and how good they are. So the I question, think dynamic range, yep, is the next. So we, we basically the next wanted big to thing. Yeah, so the we next wanted pixel pixel wars. Yep. So this is absolutely um, not a selling event. There's no sense of this being anything to sell anyone. You can probably tell by the people involved. It's just that we thought um, amongst ourselves that it would be a really good thing for the uh, senior kind of uh, well senior in the experience sense uh, yes. f- uh, filmmaking community here. Yeah, and in, this um, is good for post and production. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is for people shooting as well. Yeah. So it's free. You do have to register. Um, we do have a, a, a semi-open bar, so it should be a good evening. But yeah, it is going to be a, a lecture format at uh, Hoyt's. Um, well, well, it's not really. It's the entertainment quarter at Moore Park. You know that. Oh yeah, at Fox. Yeah, at Fox. Yeah. So yeah. you do need to register because we've got limited places and um, and stuff. But uh, sure. you can get to a link off the FX Guide website. But uh, Simpty's coming up, and there are some some good things happening. Um, but uh, both the ones we just mentioned, as I say, yeah, Simti should be great. Um, actually, uh, hopefully, if it arrives, you know, Lester Bishop, a grip yeah, friend yeah. of ours, great You remember, I think at NAB, the crazy ass Chinese bolt to the top of your roof, Russian arm. Yes, thing. yes, yes. Hopefully, if it comes through customs. Oh, no, really? Uh, well, Lester will hopefully be showing his new his 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 new arm, uh, not arm, but he has a stabilized head that he's, yeah. that he's built and uh, and he's been developing, and that's that's coming along. So hopefully he'll be showing that there. Uh, so that should be cool camera tech. But also hopefully if it comes through customs, uh, should have one of those the paladin whatever it is arm, the crazy Russian oh. Chinese crazy Chinese. Can we should a test with that Chinese. Well, he, he he hasn't bought it. It's it's coming out, or he's 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 yeah. spoken to them to bring it out. So there should be one in Sydney to have. Well, a if shooting at, a test, be I'd love to get some footage. Yeah, hopefully while it's here, it can it can have a bit of a play. Put, put me it goes up for that. That happens. Hey, um, yeah. something else I want to tell you about. You a while ago made a recommendation to me about um, doing pictures, and we did a discussion about that. Uh, one of the interviews you did here on the RC oh, yeah, about yeah, doing yeah. pictures. Anyway, uh, so we were getting set for doing some stuff at FX Guide and FX PhD, and I want to say thanks because we did this um, entire TVC or commercials pitch for a fake thing 
with the company, the Moon Unit. So the Moon Unit is one of the companies that uh, Jason recommended um, strongly. And the idea here is that you want to do a pitch as a TVC director. Now, I've been on the receiving end of, hey, this is what we got from the agency. This is my pitch. Make this. And I you know, thought that was great. But I was very ignorant as to winning the work, unlike you, Jason, who obviously do it on a, on a weekly basis. Um, but we can't sort of reasonably ask Jason or another major director or for that matter agency and client to show us their confidential pitch um, internal documents. So what we decided to do is actually get um, our own one run through the process. So I was keen to do this, hadn't done it. Uh, And so we got the moon unit on and um, we made up a fake Nike ad. And then we just spent the whole process from go to go of giving them the brief, the rough storyboards and then saw what came out the other end and jace i've got to, i just wanted to flag this because um we've got a story on it on fx guide and somebody said that uh in an email to me it reads a bit like an ad and it i is. guess it does in the sense that i was just so impressed with them <laughs> that i couldn't get over it the, um, the brochure likeness of it yeah you're talking about the treatment that moon unit did no no they were saying like i'm writing it up like like oh, all praise and i'm yeah. like yeah i'm writing it up all praise because it's yeah really good yeah so what we did is we actually made i wouldn't make them we we got them to do us a uh, entire final pitch so it, it actually says director's notes mike seymour well obviously i'm not a director but um i was playing that role and everyone knew what was going on like we didn't pretend to moon unit that this was a real job yeah. and we certainly didn't have nike's uh, permission to do it but we, we were just doing it because we wanted to see how the process would run so i've documented the process which is like this four-day process which i was going to get your opinion on in a sec jace and then um we got the uh, PDF file you can download there, which is their 17-page thing. So this is on, on FX Guide? Yeah, yeah. So if you were cool. wanting to do a pitch for a, a job, what yeah, would happen is... I'd be very happy with that PH, that, that, FX, yeah. that, that um, PDF? PDF that they sent. The treatment they've done is just outstandingly beautiful. So so what, I guess my thing was, I, I this ran four days with me pretending to be a director in that role and me providing mm. stuff. Obviously, we didn't have the toing and froing that might happen from a real client or a real agency. And froing and toing and toing and then some and froing. Budgeting. And froing. I didn't have to worry about a budget. Does it have either. to be froing? Can it be toing? <laughs> what if we've it done was some research on froing? You think froing doesn't doesn't research well? Um, no, but here's the thing that I I look. You, I'm t- telling you stuff that you already know. But for those that are listening, the thing I didn't expect that I thought was just so exciting is that. I sort of in my head from when you described it to me that this was a bit like hiring a design company that they would just lay out your stuff and make it look good and then add in some really good writing to make my ums and ers turn into something that uh, sounded industry-ish. That's what I count on. Okay, that happens. But the other thing that they did, which I thought was really phenomenally interesting, is they came back with all of these serious creative suggestions. So they were like, okay, there are some bits of gear we think you should possibly look at. Here are some current techniques. Here are some current things that are kind of hot. And of course, once they said it, it became obvious. These guys have done like 700 pitches. I'm not mm-hmm. making that number up. And they work with big directors around the world. So of course, they're in a perfect position to know the sort of jobs that people are flagging, the sort of stuff that is being picked up, the kind of trends that are happening. Now, nobody wants to just play follow or catch up. But my point is, if you say, you, Jason, the director set a, a, a direction. There's nothing wrong with having somebody creatively say, hey, in line with that, here are some um, bits of kit that are appearing popular or here's some new spots that have been done in Japan that you may not have seen or whatever it is. 
And I, I couldn't get over how on the money they were because mm. they speak agency, which I expected, but they also speak production in that, they, you know, if you're talking about Alexas and weird and wonderful uh, rigs or a spike rig, I mean, that was one of their suggestions. Hey, have you thought of using a spike rig on this? Yeah. Which I sort of hadn't anticipated they'd be so switched on to. often, but have never had a chance to, but yes. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, you you do work with people, not necessarily this company, but you do work with people in helping get your pitch documents to a level that you're happy with, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, But also what it, you're often asking them to do, if uh, it's an invaluable tool uh, if you're just f- too flat out to do anything. A lot of the time, and, and they will uh, often, part of the service they can do is they will sit on the... Um, before a treatment gets written, they will sit on the phone call quietly uh, yep. and un- unannounced in the background on a conference call when I would be doing my first call through to the advertising agency. And so I'd have the cl- the agency and myself and the producers and them quietly in the background. Or we would record the call, record the conference call and get them the MP3. So they uh, literally, if I have two... It takes a long time to even even with them doing the process for you, it can take me a day or two, you know, of you know, not hundred percent mulling it focused. over in your head, <laughs> not one hundred percent focused all day for two days. But you know, doing other things yeah. to to get them just the words. So a lot of the times, I can rely on literally, literally you rely on them actually, not doing the job for you, but li- literally being the inspiration to. Uh, and and getting a lot of the ro- words um, in, into a beautiful advertising speak, literally by listening to the MP3 of the conference calls and me not having to write anything at all. So it's an invaluable resource for working directors who are just too busy to do, you know, just take two days to, to write a novella, you know. And and you agreed with me that it was just a nice layout as well. Like oh, it it's, looked it's pretty. beautiful. Absolutely, so if you were absolutely hand, beautiful. If this was an actual Nike ad, which obviously it isn't, but I if said, it, it looks was. Like I said, yeah, you could be a director. That's all, you, you know, <laughs> that, that, absolutely. I mean, you could anyway, but, but um, it's, yeah, no, there's a lot it, more to directing how, than getting a good pitch document. Yeah, I mean, but, it, is, it, it, it is a brochure and it is, it is a, a very ad-y because essentially it, you are, it's, it's not just a document to show the agency how on the client and or the client how you'd like to shoot the job it, your pitch it's an ad for you it's like a quality clue up to the ad, final ad right? but no it i mean this this is something you submit to get the work so yeah. this is a pitch document this is this is this represents this is an adver- advertisement for for you and how polished it is and how designed it is and the quality of the photo searching that's a that's a big part as well of the of the amazing time the time sync that a treatment is is finding the right uh photo reference a lot of time they will do a part of the process isn't just writing but they will go off and do a photo search they'll look at the director's work see the work he's done get an idea of his style of his approach you know the kind of lighting he likes the kind of casting he likes uh and she likes and finds work like that send you a big a big you know a dropbox folder of a ton of stuff and then you can color it and then they will go off and do further searches based based on on that so they'll kind of make it you know as much of put as much of their input as they can but also make it feel like it is your voice and it is part and it, and it imparts your style and and you're comfortable with it representing 
something you're going to essentially get sh- have to go and shoot and maybe and maybe in some circumstances get held to you know held your feet over the fire based on what's written in this document which you may never have even written a word of <laughs> the um the thing i found about it which was uh which was really great is if you'd asked me to write a pitch document for me to win some work for you I'd have probably come up with, I reckon, a two-page document with a couple of pages of well-laid-out photos and montage, like a style reference. And for some people, that is absolutely fine. But I was just knocked on my ass by the 17-page, you know, really well-laid-out, incredibly on point. And, And they are very good at, as you say, listening to the, finding those keywords, right? Like, what are the words that this thing turns on and asking the sort of questions that I didn't, I feel particularly comfortable answering. Like, why would you get this? Like, what is it about your pitch that makes yours something that should win the day? Yeah. And I had to sort of stop and think, ah, it's a very good question. Actually, what am I doing? What am I offering in this sort of pseudo treatment? Um, that would be uh, cool. Um, Yeah. Just part of it also is not that you use them as leverage, but, a part of it is also knowing your competition. It's good to find out who else are you quoting against because you can subtly word it to say, this is where I would be good knowing who else they've got who else, it. and yeah. knowing perhaps where they might not be, their strength might not be. Um, yeah, we, um, we are actually going to take that document and previs the commercial that they helped us conceptualize. Uh, so uh, Matt Workman, who's actually a DOP as well as a, previous expert um, is taking all that stuff and working with us. Um, actually, you should check out Matt's work at uh, cinematographerdb.com. Uh, cinematographerdb.com is uh, his site, but he, it's the site that he does for, <laughs> for this stuff. He does amazing models. So, you know, obviously uh, Panther, for example, right? The, the characteristics of the Panther rig in terms of how yeah. the, uh, the arm would lift up, where a camera would pivot versus its nodal point of the camera and the actual um, sort of tripod point of the camera. All of that is um, modeled in his previous stuff so that when you're actually designing shots, you would get a very accurate idea of what's going on. And then if you put a Alexa on top of this digital version of a Panther, it's going to move and react and give you the framing on a 50 mil that it would on the day, which is, of course, exactly what you want for previous so that... um, things work well right. and all those range of movements from um, <clears throat> uh, arms to tripods to whatever he's modeled all that sort of stuff so anyway <clears throat> so with his skills um, he's going to take that uh, document and then previous the whole commercial and that's actually happening over at uh, fxphd.com cool. yeah, so this so a lot of that is on fx guide but it's the, the, part the, of a, a term so the 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 story that we've been talking about, this you can download the whole document that we've been referring to, the 17-page thing, on FX Guide under the um, TMU or the Moon Unit uh, story. But I'm just saying we're taking that document that's freely available to you listeners and uh, using it as part of a course over at FXPHD on um, – because the new terms just started FXPHD on uh, on previsiting it, which would be good to see how the – because, I mean, I guess we could just go and make the commercial, but – even if I was going to make a commercial that used a lot of high-speed photography and and big sets and, and clever stunt work, I'd want to pre-visit anyway. So this is probably the next logical step. Um, cool. Hey, uh, the other thing I was going to get back to now is the, some of the stuff that we were talking about just before um, we were talking about the SMPTE stuff, which is uh, uh, filters, especially in the in the red. Um, yeah. The OLPF, the OLPF um, 
uh, True Blue filter. Yeah. So um, this is um, this is quite a big thing, really, because um, um, Paul Atchell, who you know, I know, Mike is. Well, a we were shooting with show. him in, in Tasmania. We yeah, went down and shot. Yeah, is an underwater and nature photographer and cinematographer of his own right. Um, and he invented is it deep red? What is his true uh, blue? I think is no the his three D oh, underwater sorry. system, which uh, and underwater housing for the Epic that uses um, actually water immersed lenses rather than a yeah. port and uh, uses uh, the Nikonos lens system. Outstanding, uh, but he's also uh, in uh, part of in part of him. You know, he's you know he's uh, a tinkerer is not the right word. Scientist. A scientist. By trade? Uh, by trade, yes. And um, uh, he's developed a filter. I guess it does it replace the. I guess it replaces the OLPF filter for the mm. um, for the for Epic uh, or in any of their any of the digital cinema cameras from Epic. I think from Epic on. Now he's shown me uh, footage and the. Uh, I guess they call it spec histograms, not histograms. What do we call them? No, the spectral um, spectral response, response curves. curves. Of um, of an epic, with and without this filter on, it. and it's quite astounding how. Uh, I guess Mike, maybe you can take over having a look at this being a bit more of a, you know this this being your wheelhouse. Uh, what the issue is and what this corrects because it is quite. It, this is not this is not a minor thing. This is makes you think why is this camera like this and why does this not why does it not ship with this filter? It basically is is uh, correct. Uh, what I, I think a reason quite a. A reasonable issue with this camera, regardless of whether you're shooting underwater or not. Yeah, I mean the, the problem is you you get with the and and I should point out, Red has done work in this area, so some of this uh, depends which version of a Red camera you're looking at, yeah. and uh, the newer versions of Red uh, weapon and stuff have specifically got stuff to address this. But so just speaking in the broader sense, rather than it's specifically the latest version of the Red, um, you get this kind of thin negative, uh, which is to say that you've got an insufficient dynamic range in the blue channel. And the reason that the blue channel is, um, or sorry, the, the net result of this is that you're getting uh, sort of a magentary blue. Uh, you're not getting really good good blue, which is why it's called the thing true blue. Um, and this is simply because the way that it works, you've got... Um, obviously twice as many uh, green as red and blue photo sites on a CMOS chip. But more importantly, you have uh, little bits of um, uh, dye that are affecting what colours go into what. Unfortunately, the way that the CMOS chip is made, so this is not a problem that's simply solved by red having done something wrong. It's just that the chip itself tends to have uh, a problem with the red photosites because they're sensitive not only to red but also to blue spectra of light. Yeah. And as that's the case... That's the big issue, isn't it? Yeah, as that's the case, you're getting this kind of uh, problems with blue grads. And so skies, water, uh, have a magentary grey kind of instead of blue tone to them. And um, the blueness is getting into the red. The red is getting into the basic pre-matrix uh, uh, image math so that's going taken out of the CMOS chip and then the CMOS chip then matrixes those um, spectral responses to the uh, cross-talked versions that we use and love and go with. So in, in a sense it's like if you could clean up a little bit what's going in to the chips then you're going to get a better result out of the chips but because what we're talking about here is putting a filter in front of the chip rather than redesigning the chips um, it's pretty tricky right? If it was the problem was that the that the filter that the red cameras had in there 
was faulty, Red had just swapped the darn filters over, right? Like it'd be as simple as that. But the problem is like at the chip level, as I understand it, I could be wrong, but let's just understand the tech. The chip, the filters that are there are trying to, to compensate for it. He's got a better compensating filter. And so it's a, uh, it's a definite tricky piece of math to pull off optically. He got into this heavily because obviously underwater, he was faced with an enormous amount of blue footage, especially when you get down at any um, depth at all. And so he was trying to get a cleaner, uh, better uh, image out. And so he started researching this. And I, as I say, I've been shooting with him underwater off the coast of Tasmania. And this is a guy who really gets it. I mean, really, really, yeah. really does. By the way, um, the Trouble is going to be shown at Simpty as well. Um, oh, cool. Okay. In, uh, uh, do we so know I said I think which I got stand the date, or the who, where he's exhibiting? Uh, uh, booth D four. Okay, this is a, this is a non not insignificant issue. When you look at no. the difference in the visuals, this is not a subtle thing. It's not an insignificant issue, and it's not it's a not insignificant fix. It's very hard to grade this out. It's what we're, yeah, we're saying. Absolutely. Um, anyway, so uh, links in the show notes to uh, this. Uh, or you can go to actual.achtel.com slash trueblue um, to find it. It's not, not cheap, but this is uh Yeah, I think not, it's a, the, the fix a, is a, a couple of grand or maybe yeah, a bit more. I think it's two, nearly three grand two, Australian. Two nine Australian. But, but if uh, you were shooting you stuff with this matter. camera this is actually yeah. going to make a difference with. I'm sure that even the latest cameras were but, still going to have new, this issue to some Doesn't degree. the new weapon stuff have uh, swappable? Um, yes, but yes, and, it, it so I'm does. Not, so. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't investigated this the is, range of Yes, this is different to, to that. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the probably the latest dragon where it doesn't necessarily apply. But or whether it, even in the latest ones whether they've nailed yeah. this issue or not, I'm not sure. And, and also I should say Red isn't uh fighting this. Red is not saying that he's uh well, making this up or that this is uh you know, they yeah. Red have been quite uh welcoming of mm. his efforts in doing mm. this. Yeah. It's interesting though because um yeah, his his work is really based in fact. I mean, his underwater whale photography that he shot. I actually got invited to go with him on one of those shoots. I couldn't do it because it was like a. But oh my god, it was just spectacular. If you've seen his footage, he's won um, Australian ACS awards for it. It's really gorgeous. So this yeah. is not a, a, an academic exercise in a lab. This is somebody that is a scientist, but is also an actual photographer or a cinematographer, and consequently has approached this from a, a needs point of view, not from a. Wouldn't it be nice on paper? But We've all met those people and you go, well, in reality, mate, this isn't what you do. Well, and this is the exact opposite. This is like, in reality, this is what I needed. So I went and worked it out. Yeah. And it also has won like Black Diamond Awards, the major technological awards and got patents awarded for his, uh, for the underwater, uh, for the underwater systems. Jace, do you want to talk about the Epic Dragon uh, ND slide thing? Yeah, that's sort I tentatively of sort of do. It's interesting. Um, um Trying to think who uh, invented this is Lancy Air or something. I'm trying to think of the uh, the company. Um, but, I thought uh, it was Long Valley. Sorry, Long Valley Equipment. Yeah, I thought it was Douglas. Yeah, yeah, Long Valley Equipment. Um, it's a prototype at this stage, but uh, it's intriguing yet frustrating because I mean, one of the downsides of Epic is it doesn't, and I, it's something that I rely on heavily with, um, as many people do, with the F5s and with the 55s and my FS7. And um, and uh, Alexa is the inbuilt uh, NDs. Uh, so he's developed a way of being able to slide in multiple NDs that you can slide in in combination to get um, a, a behind the lens ND. Uh, it seems quite compact. Seems very nice. I'm, uh, it seems impressive. 
its um, uh, main issue that I have with it is that any optics that you slide, particularly if you're stacking them, are going to shift your back focus and are going to mean that uh, it's okay if you're pulling your own focus. Uh, you're just eye-matching it, and I don't think it's going to affect you necessarily achieving infinity. But if you are having someone else pull sharps for you, your uh, um, lenses won't be calibrated and the marks won't add up uh, depending on how many NDs you slot in. So I think this has limited use. I love the idea of it. Uh, again, links in the show notes and also our very good friends at New Shooter. If you um, if you uh, Google ND slide there on their site, you'll find it as well. It's um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Uh, I think it's a bit of a work in progress. Uh, it's not going to suit everybody, but uh, I quite like the idea. I personally, as I say, I'm very happy with um, having a variable, having an ND system inbuilt in the camera is an absolute godsend. I love being able to shoot uh, wide open all the time. No, uh, really? And This is Jason Gaffer tape at wide open. Not having to swap NDs, physically swapping filters all the time and literally just do it with the... Uh, uh, with the, the big, as I mentioned, with the big, the big, um, big switches with the ND in, inside the camera, and that is that is, um, I'm I'm in love with that system and not having to handle pieces of expensive glass, get them in and out of their tray tentatively. Of course, everyone's very good at doing that, but it is still, it, it's a it's a fiddly step, particularly when light is going up and down. I want to be able to manage it while it's going up and down, not not chase my tail. Hey, um, speaking of this kind of modified red stuff, um, what about the uh, um, infrared red mod? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is. I definitely want to have a big shout out to this. And hopefully, I'm actually what I'm going to try and do is get Glenn, uh, Glenn Ryan, who's responsible for this project, uh, on the show next week, uh, next Just next next time. Gorgeous next photography. Uh, yeah. So I think this started up. I think I mentioned this a while back again, in, maybe yep. in 2013. Uh, he did a piece called Cast Country, K A R S T, uh, Country. Uh, it started off as a beautiful time-lapse pseudo-infrared piece and now it is fully infrared work. So this is time-lapsed and real-time and in some cases slow-mo uh, infrared nature photography. Um, and it's uh, now what the difference between this and the original project is now got a full-spectrum modded uh, epic. Uh, now using infrared filters on top of that but essentially taking away the... Uh, uh, infrared filter in front of the having having the sensor modded basically so it lets yeah. uh, all the spectrum in and then and then um uh, uh selectively um uh, basically basically just use like infrared photography but uh in a motion picture camera so uh beautiful work if you go to silverdory.com slash brinda bellas um uh, and again, links in the show notes. This is beautiful. This is uh, a series of work they're doing. Uh, summer, they're going to do one for all of the seasons. And uh, there's obviously like teaser versions, but also um, purchasable through Vimeo. You can uh, own your own own your own version of it. Uh, own, own a longer longer form version. Uh, highly recommend having a look and or giving him some money, a little very little money for what is a beautiful piece of work. Um, and I look forward to seeing the rest of them. Uh, again, links and show notes, but also if you go to silverdory.com, Brenda was, Bellas, E double L A S. That was always the thing Stunning I wanted to do before my stuff. 5Ds got nicked. I was going to take one of the 5D yeah. Mark IIs and get it hacked for um, IR. I have a, a bought, and I've never really used it partly because for video, it's. Um, 
not great. It's the old uh, NEX 3N. Uh, I got, I bought a modded. Uh, there's so many on eBay now. There's so many infrared modded. You can basically pick your camera and find an infrared modded version of that for sale or to be modded to your specs on on request. Uh, uh, yeah, so I got an, a modded NEX 3M, which is amazing, really, because it's literally it's it looks incredible, and you can have the proper you can have the ND filter of your choice put. On, on the front of the sensor, so it literally is out of the box infrared photography, and even just something like the NEX 3M, which is probably five, I don't know, five, six, seven years old, is incredibly sensitive. You can easily shoot um, motion, you know, shoot normal speed cinematography. I've got a little tiny thing the size of a size of an iPhone that'll shoot infrared um, 1080p video. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, I, I, it's something I really want to explore. It's it's a it's a wild look. It's not for everybody. <laughs> it's pretty nice, though. If yeah, you've got a job that... that, uh, that not, not good with people, but uh, amazing yeah. for nature. And uh, just especially if some... you've got really contrasting environment, like the you know, Australian outback there, and you've got yeah. amazing puffy clouds and, uh, you know, strong different changes and... in foliage, and it can just look outstanding. I photographed my wife and, and our then very young baby that she could hold in her arms in a kind of a tasteful... not. Not nude, but like not obviously. I mean, it was like on a beach in, yeah. in IR, mm. and uh, I did it with film back then. And it's just it's such a great quality. And for some reason, their faces and their eyes worked really well. Yeah. Um, but the foliage behind them does such interesting things as does the sky. I just yeah. love those photos. And uh, of course, back then it was just easy to buy IR film as long as you kept it in the fridge. Um, yeah. But. It's a very significant barrier to entry for, you know, film. To film buying a whole thing, yeah. I, I wonder, I mean, yeah. There must be, every once in a while, a round of uh, commercials that just go out for tender for somebody coming up with a new IR solution. But commercials not, I mean, obviously, it's very different shooting people on IR because it can do crazy things to your eyes and face and skin and you start to see through the skin and it's kind of... It's not necessarily an attractive way to go. My stuff looked nice, but there you go. I'm sure it's your did. Hey, um, where are we with? Because I was going to ask you about this. We, I was hassling you about the um, small HD and whether it would record. Did we get anywhere with that? Uh, did you find out from them whether that was coming? That the new, I, you know, the is, cute one. Uh, I believe they did say it will be record soon. There's a lot of stuff with the. Uh, so part of what I wanted to mention is that they've since announced the the to go with the 50 um 501 they've got the uh an HDMI only version of their 501 for 899 uh to help reduce the price there and give a, a bit of a, a lower bar, uh, entry 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 point there's a few things still so yet to this, be switched on with so the I thought five, it was the 502 500 series 502, sorry. The no, 502 no, no, is I'm, the I'm confused. There's, 502 there's two, is aren't the uh, is the SDI and HDMI version, and the 501 501 is, is HDMI yeah. only. Okay. There's still a few things yet to be switched on with that. Uh, I think, but they are doing the firmware updates are coming thick and fast. There was one I think literally just a week or so ago that switched on a couple of things. There's still yet to be. They will do cross conversion. The cross conversion is is coming soon. That's not happening yet, although it is a Obviously, a feature of the 502 only because it has the SDI to cross convert to uh, recording. 
I I I welcome it and hopefully it will um, be enabled soon. I have no inside track on when that's going to happen. So do you I'm have sorry. a 502? I have a 502, yes. So do you ever pick it up and think it's an iPhone? No. Okay. <laughs> no, but it is... Uh, I would so do that. It's I would like be walking around trying <laughs> to talk on my it's monitor. It's a little bit chunkier, but it's still, yeah, it's still pretty amazing. Uh, it's a beautiful little little thing and very powerful. But hopefully, yes, it will be considerably more powerful soon. Uh, but yes, I just basically wanted to mention the 501, which is the... Uh, HDMI only version. Hopefully, as I say, we'll bring we'll add add recording to that too. Hmm. Well, I think that kind of brings us to the end of the show. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? We haven't had a chance. Indeed. No, I think not. Okay, so we'll be doing another show after Simpty when we've had a chance to um, look at the new stuff. I'm certainly interested in looking at some stuff to do with uh, lighting. Um, I think it's a while since we've uh, looked at lights here on the RC, so we're going to have a, a look at what's going on in uh, LED yeah. lighting. Um, and, of course, if we get a chance to play with that funky Russian arm, not Russian arm thing, boy, we'll be start of the queue for that. Um, meanwhile, of course, uh, there may be some surprises. It's obviously not a show that they primarily launch new stuff at, uh, being a, it's an Australian show. Uh, that being said, it's obviously, uh, if you are an Australian, only on twice a year, and uh, sorry, once every two years, and hence a bit of a big event uh, for being able to get your hands yeah. on gear, play with stuff, grab stuff, and uh, and really try it out. It might be a good place to see stuff that has launched since NAB, or was announced at NAB, but now is actually, you know, shipping. Shipping honestly. and available to do. Yeah, we haven't yeah. been talking about um, ARRI stuff, so we should definitely visit the ARRI stuff and see yes, what Yes, I'm sure. Option. Yes, it would be good to have your hands on, although a- ACS here have been having some good hands on with the Alexa Mini. That is something you definitely need to get in your hand. It is quite astounding and uh, a very powerful um, little beast. Anyway, until we uh, are with you again, dear friends, um, I'm obviously Mike Seymour on uh, Twitter, obviously because that's my name. Jason, you are? I am Wingrove on Twitter and wingrove.tv is my website. Brilliant. And now I think, Jason, it's time to adjourn for lunch. Excellent. Sushi, uh, I think, is in order, sir. Bring it on. Thank you. Bring it on. Thanks so much, guys, for being with us. Um, We'll talk to you uh, in a few weeks at the end of July for our end of July show. And then hopefully uh, when I get back, I'll be at uh, Sidgraph in August. And we'll have some, I hope, stuff to do with, um, uh, well, it's beyond camera tech, really. It's uh, Beyond camera tech. Well, it's it's not so much camera tech as it is uh, computational photography coming out of SIDGRAPH. And mm-hmm. so it's not really necessarily the tech of cameras so much as it is using cameras to do the sort of interesting things. version of computational photography quickly? So... Uh, <laughs> Clearly so, that's a hard one. No, no, no. It's, I'm just trying to not sound like a, too much of a, a wally. Um, computational photography is taking multiple... Um, photographic sources or versions of photography um, that with modified cameras and producing computationally interesting results. Uh, A good example of that um, would be what became the uh, Lycra with the, you know, uh, completely variable depth of field stuff. Right. Um, So that is uh, computational photography. There's other things to do with uh, automatically removing or adding things uh, based on having cameras that are doing different and unusual things. We we are yet to see an SLR that has all the smarts of an iPhone, but there are some prototypes of that kind of stuff built where people have rigged up sensors with cameras and allowed them to do more interesting things than you could otherwise do. So you might take a bunch of shots or film video and it would produce a... M- 
sterlingly high resolution still out of that because it's basically aggregating all the video into a higher res still. That would be computational photography. It's not that the camera is new. It's just a new use for while you're sort of holding a camera kind of still, you are actually moving it around, and that's resampling the picture at the same resolution but multiple times in the same space. All good fodder for your very next moon unit treatment. There you go. Anyway, that's all going to be pitch. presented at SIDGRAPH in the beginning of August. So our, in our August show, which will be late August, um, we'll cover the computational photography stuff that comes out there. And that is honestly some, I find, most amazingly weird stuff. I mean, I've holographic cameras, uh, video um, stuff where you can blow at somebody even though they're on another continent and they get the effect of you blowing at them they, they feel the breath. Yeah, and that's weird. That's just <laughs> weird stuff you can do. They, they, it's not necessarily yes, that um, stuff, stuff that you, you would have an immediate, but emerging tech is one of my favorite uh, parts of SIDGRAPH. Anyway, if you're at SIDGRAPH, uh, we'll be having an FX PhD event there, and we'd love to see you. And if not, um, then we'll definitely, uh, if you see us uh, walking around SIDGRAPH, please say hello and, uh, and uh, feel free to Instagram and post and Twitter, and we'll see you at the end of the uh, – the show when we reform up, Jace, uh, unless you're overseas at the end of August. We'll see. But anyway, that's end of July for SIMTI coverage, end of August for or after SIDGRAPH for um, the computational photography stuff. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. I want to thank our team, uh, such as David uh, in uh, Chicago, who put the show together, and um, you know, people who organize it. We really appreciate it. As always, check out the stuff that we post over at fxguide.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Seymour. See ya. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide, LLC.